five, four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. You're listening to Working Forward. Presented by Symmetra. In partnership with NASA Reimagine. In this limited podcast series, hosted by Harry Monty, Laura Dynan Haber, Paul Tyler, and Todd Zen, we explore the future of work from a variety of viewpoints and discuss the challenges and opportunities ahead. Hello, and welcome into the Working Forward podcast. I'm Todd Zen, one of your hosts, and we are so happy that you have decided to join us as we continue to talk about the future of work. So um, I say happy. Happy is really the key word for our topic today. We're really going to dig into the concept of happiness and really the intersection of a lot of things we've covered on the podcast so far. So mental health, inclusiveness, engagement at the workplace, all of this is going to come together uh, in, I think, a really fun conversation with a guest who couldn't be more perfectly aligned uh, for us to have this conversation with. So I'm really excited to bring him in. But before I do, I uh, want to introduce our other hosts and first starting with Harry Monty, our uh, head of benefits here at Symmetra. Hi, hi, Harry. Welcome to the show. Hey, Todd. Thanks. Uh, really looking forward to today. Yeah, Darren and I have had a lot of conversations about this topic and about his book, and I think he's going to be a great guest. So looking forward to it. Excellent. So uh, we are down one of our friends at NASA Reimagined. Uh, unfortunately, Laura Dynan Haber had a scheduling conflict, but she will be back next time. We'll miss her. But we do have our friend Paul Tyler. Paul, hello. Welcome. Todd, glad to be here. All right. Uh, well, without further ado, uh, let's bring in our guest. Uh, so we are very pleased to welcome Darren Tully to the show. Uh, Darren's got an extensive background in corporate America, and he's used it as a launching off point uh, to become CEO of Ignite Happy. And that seems to entail a lot. He's an author. He's a, a corporate coach, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, but, you know, let me bring him in and maybe he could introduce himself in, in his own words a little bit and tell us a little bit about what he's what he's doing and what he's done. Darren, welcome. Hey, Todd. Hey, Paul. Harry, good to see you all. Great to uh, be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you're right. I did uh, start a new journey. I've been in uh, corporate America for about, gosh, 30 years, and I took uh, I took a leap of faith and uh, saw that there's a huge opportunity out there to help transform organizations and cultures and people. And I had my own transformational journey, which we can get into, yet I did start Ignite Happy. I am the chief of possibilities. I'm the CEO and founder. And I'm out there trying to ignite happy humans and organizations to really unlock the potential of, of people all around us and to spark possibilities because there is so much potential that could be tapped in when we actually sync up to uh, a higher purpose and a greater calling, which we can talk about that too, Todd. Uh, so I'm out there coaching and consulting. I have my own podcast called Live Your Possible. I am the author of a book called Live Your Possible. And what I'm trying to do, again, is to help people pursue an authentic, inclusive, and joyful life. And people are doing this as individuals, as teams, and as organizations. And there's a lot of tremendous stories and results that people are realizing just by, based on the change of their own way and path and purpose uh, to realize that they can actually do almost, I would say, the unimaginable. And that's why I love calling my book Live Your Possible, because there are things sitting amongst us that we could tap into every day if we just set ourselves down the right path. 
Hey, excellent, Darren. I'll, I'll jump in on the first first question. I first of all, I got your book on my uh, bookcase at home, and it's, I, we've uh, I, I've enjoyed reading it. It's a it's a good program, I think, for anyone who is looking to uh, follow their, their own journey. But the question I've got for you is, why is the book cover pink? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, there's a lot of meetings at this at this point. You know, my my uh, transformation started with the color pink. I was actually at a diversity and inclusion event uh, just about six, over six years ago. And uh, it was actually my understanding that I wasn't living out my purpose. I wasn't leading the way I could. I was uh, a senior leader in a Fortune 100 company. And I realized I was focusing on the wrong things. I was focusing on results and making it harder for folks to actually achieve their potential and their possibilities. And I guess I could say out loud that I, I had these unknown unconscious biases that I was actually ashamed of. And what I committed to do coming out of that DNI event was change my purpose to be more inclusive and, and expansive, to welcome the world and invite it in differently and to look for differences. And when I was doing that, I, I had this pink pen and I had this pink pen I carry with me all the time. And that was the start of the journey for the color pink because it was actually my, my accountability reminder that I, if I'm going to make a difference, I needed to be different every day. So I need to use this pink pen to remind myself that I need to look for differences. I need to embrace the world differently and I need to have a greater purpose. I need to really welcome the world in because I do believe there's this potential that's filled with this light that's creative, that's joyful and truly authentic that I think we we actually shut down on people. It's almost like a dimmer switch to a light. We actually kind of dim the light back. People don't even realize it. And then we wake up in the workplace and we're, we're lost. We're, we're not feeling included. We're... We're feeling isolated, all these things. So, so I'm committed to change. And that color is reminding me to take the actions. And you can see by my podcast icon behind me, if, if you're looking at this on the show versus listening, and it's a one-eyed smile. This one-eyed smile was an event I had with my daughter. And it was it's on the back of an Italian isolate where we were looking for, or I was looking for differences. And she was looking for something as a sweet treat, as a reward for finishing homework. And it ended up being this... I would say light up moment where I recognize that this one eyed smile represents so much in the world because I saw on the, on the, on the back of this Italian isolate that was sitting at a table, staring at my daughter and I, and the child in myself lit up the child in my kid lit up. And I realized that the joy and possibilities are living within us every single day. And it's our, it's our responsibilities and our jobs of each other to bring it out. And this just happened to me because I was welcoming the world indifferently. I was welcoming the differences. I was accepting the silliness. I wasn't as uptight as I had become in, in, in the corporate world. And I got to say, too, like this color pink, it also represents, if you think about the color, it's nurturing. It's calming. And it's playful in the sense that we actually connect, connect back to our childhood. So the meaning keeps growing and expanding, just like possibilities when we put our focus on something that's different, when we focus on what could be. So the story keeps growing. So I appreciate you asking that color because it is part of my brand. It's part of why I'm out there. I'm being, I'm being different. Like I am signing contracts with this pink pen. I am signing thank you notes to people that I appreciate, love letters to my family. And it's just, it just makes a difference because people tilt their head and that's what we need to do. We need to slow down and tilt our head to see what's in front of us every single day. So, Darren, that's a great story. And, um, you know, a couple of things you mentioned there squarely play back to mental health. Right. And we are uh, we're recording this episode toward the end of May. 
and uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So um, I'd like to bring our conversation there for, for a few minutes, right? Supportive mental health uh, is a really important topic for employers these days, right? Whether it's the benefits they provide, the cultures that they create. Um, and you mentioned a couple of things there, right? There's happiness. You mentioned people feeling isolated. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on what companies should be thinking about today around mental health and mental well-being, but also as you think about the workforce of the future. Um, and as all these changes around us are impacting the way we work, um, where employers need to take the, the, the topic of mental health and mental well-being. Yeah, such an important topic, Harry. It's, is it incredibly impactful when we don't pay attention to it? And if we're disingenuous about the thought of having mental well-being and, and mental health conversations, we have to be real intentional and thoughtful about the words and the programs we have in our communities and in our corporate organizations, because people do, uh, they're, they're afraid. They're, they do want to understand what they have available in their, in their services or their, their benefits, but they're afraid to ask. You know, we're afraid to ask because you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling isolated or I have a level of anxiety. Um, I have doubt. I mean, that's something that I struggle with. Like we, you know, we need to share that, hey, doubt with something or anxiety. We have to, as leaders, we need to share that and how we go about using some of the benefits that are available. So we need to be vulnerable. We need to share and be active, I think, in our workplaces. And I also think, you know, well-being is really an action to how we actually support people to work through the things where we are isolated, where we are feeling fearful, or where we have these levels of doubt, where people, I think we need to allow more actions in the workplace, make that part of our day. If, it, if it's, you know, if it's in the workplace or at home, how can we incorporate more activities? How can we actually really foster the meditation or, or you know, certain breathing, breathing techniques? Like I have my Apple Watch and it reminds me to breathe every time I start to get all excited, which is probably all the time. So it tells me, hey, breathe, stop and breathe. So I do, thank God I do, kind of essential. Yeah, a whole lot about some of these techniques. Like, hey, let's be grateful. You, we hear these words. We need to take it seriously because you know what it does? It slows our mind down. It gets us to be conscious. It gets us to be present. It gets us to actually recognize and notice somebody that's sitting there right in front of us. We actually start to think differently because if we don't, we start to let our mind take over and we get we actually aren't doing our best work or I feel like I'm stuck or anxious. And I've, I've felt all, those, all these things. And I don't, I don't know how many people would admit that. And I think we need to start to have open conversations, more, more meaning behind these words, and actually create more more access to this in the workplace and make that part of our day. And I would even encourage doing some of this to encourage folks back into the workplace at times where we can. And what, you know, one other thing I would think about is how we work. So we talk about isolation and people don't feel worthy. Well, guess what? Belonging and mattering. Two words that we hear about are buzzwords. You can create that. That will allow us to limit some of these elements that are holding us back when we think about mental health setbacks and concerns, I would also say purpose and meaningful work. You know, having people feel more connected. Actually, they feel they understand where they can contribute. So there's less doubt. There's less people hiding out. Because there's a lot of people hiding today, not wanting to step into the work. People are afraid. So we have to make it safer. We have to make it something we're going to talk about because we care. That's the key. Make the words count. We got to care for our people differently and each other. 
So Darren, I have to ask a follow-up question um, because something you just mentioned around being vulnerable and being open to talking about the challenges of mental health um, is something we spend a lot of time on here at Symmetra. And um, one of the themes that's come up in this podcast series is generational differences. And uh, you know, you've talked to a lot of people about this topic of happiness and mm -hmm. mental health and inclusion. And um, I find that the generational differences and what people are comfortable talking about is is pretty dramatic. I'm curious if you've seen the same. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, there's definitely a different level of connection and willingness to share, especially uh, with you know the the silent gen, baby boomers, Gen X. There's a fear and there's a sense of I need to kind of toe the line. I can't let people show that I'm weak or I, that I have a gap or any of these things. I think uh, you know the folks that are. Gen Z, millennials, they, we want to talk about it. We want to feel like we belong. We want to connect more to something bigger, the mission, the purpose. We want to get it out there. We want to grow. I want skills to help me get through it and get past it. I want to mitigate some of those things. And these are the things that I'm noticing when we're talking and putting different programs in place with different organizations. People are lighting up. All generations are lighting up when we're actually connecting and openly discussing these topics and showing that it's okay and safe. Guess where it needs to start, though? The leaders need to step in and show, hey, I'm asking you to do this, but I'm willing to walk the talk. I'm willing to talk the talk. And that needs to happen to make it safe. And then it needs to be reinforced. And we're not holding people in a negative light. We're actually shining a light so people could walk through it and break through it. Some of those fears and the levels of avoidance that people have. It's very natural. Yeah, so... Building on all this, I, you know, we've spoken with employers directly on the show as well, and we've heard a lot about their objectives around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And a lot of your comments already are, are hitting on that, the important of, you know, importance of the inclusive environment to happiness, to satisfaction in the workplace. And I know you advise companies as well. So I'm interested in your take. You know, what are the things that companies need to be thinking about today? as they institute these type of programs or look to further them? What, what do they need to be thinking about to make sure they're successful out into the future, three years, five years, those, that sort of time horizon? I, I think with any, any program or any strategic initiative, you know, why? Why are, why are you doing the DE&I initiative? Is it because that's what we're supposed to do? <clears throat> or is it because there's something bigger? I think for most companies, it's something bigger. I think it's for helping people actually contribute and be involved in different ways, which is, guess what, mattering. People are actually understanding how they can actually contribute. Uh, they could belong in the sense that they are, they're welcomed with who they are. Um, we're bringing diverse talent, so there's ability to have diverse, of, diverse perspectives and insights. We're actually thinking about equity to make sure people are involved <clears throat> to contribute, <clears throat> pardon me, to contribute in ways they can and to help people grow from those experiences. And to me, inclusion is an, it's an action. It's including each other with, hey, I want to hear your idea. What do you think? Because I was raised as a leader to say, I don't know. I mean, I, that, sorry, that I, I can't say I don't know and that I can't ask for help. So what I'm asking is we need to say, I don't know. I, I want your perspective and actually mean it. Show genuine care and actually bring people in a little bit differently. Because I think it's it ends up being a really... A, I think a stage of mattering where people are actually feeling they're seen and they're in alignment to something bigger to the second stage where people are feeling like, Hey, they're heard, they're involved. They're contributing to continuously improving. They're growing to the third phase where people are actually able to thrive because the focus is on them. When the focus is on our people, all people, 
guess what happens? We all actually contribute in amazing ways. We actually start to believe in our people differently. We actually believe in each other differently. And when we do, results actually go through the roof. Well, maybe we uh, just pull that thread a little bit more and talk about results. I think I think in your book, you, you say, you talk about sort of the ideal workplace is, uh, is one that's lean, top-producing, innovative, and joyful. Uh, Talk to us about how you coach them. And I guess I'd be curious to know what works and also, you know, what doesn't work, you know, Darren, you know, what, what shuts, shuts down, uh, groups that we, and these are actions that we can, you know, learn to avoid. Yeah. Good question, Paul. I, I, I like to interact with different companies to understand where leaders in the organizations stand, you know, what they stand for, uh, understanding what it is. They're trying to truly achieve and what, why, you know, why they exist, you know, given that it's important to understand how, how things get done. So understanding, uh, you know, what, what is the path of how people can actually get involved and engaged? So I often will ask people, like, uh, and interview folks about, uh, their level of what they do versus what the teams do versus the full organization and how that comes together. And you, you might be surprised that a lot of folks will focus today on results. And maybe that won't surprise you because that has been the way I was brought up. Hey, focus on results. Our customers are our most important aspect. And what I would what I would actually show people over time, because I, I come from a background of financial uh, and accounting, and I started my, my career in numbers and results, and then I actually moved it to actually focus what I think matters the most, which is people. So what I was suggesting, I work with leaders to say, hey, how do we flip that order? Instead of going results, customer base, to process, to people, how do we flip the order so it matters differently? And there's a cause and effect aspect of that in showing people how results could actually change beyond belief, maybe double. And that's what happened in a couple of companies recently where we actually say, let's focus on people, which then actually allows people to focus on employee experiences. We know when people focus on employee experiences, there are results that companies have four times greater profit than other companies that don't focus on it, right? And then there's a level level of joy that people feel in their in their job. They're experiencing. They're able to contribute differently. Not only are they doing processes, they turn them into practices. Because when you do practices, you actually want to evolve them. You want to get better at them, and that's ultimately going to impact the customer experience. And guess what? Joy actually increases when we actually involve people and show them the path and get them involved to actually contribute in different ways. And when people are happier, this probably doesn't surprise you either, but 20% of organizations are more productive when they're happier. So now we have happier employees that are developing and contributing different ways. Guess what? Your customers are going to be delighted, more delighted, more, more in the spirit of I want to stay with this company or I want to buy more or how do I expand my opportunities here and understand what the services are there. I want more. To the, to the point where results follow. Res, the results are, should, they should be at the end because the results and outcomes should be tied to what is the mission so we could actually tie it to our purpose and reinvest back into our people in new technology and new ways of business so we can actually get people excited about what we do because that that will that'll improve what we're talking about also with mental well-being and how we actually get to the greater results for everybody. So there's personal growth and there's business growth. And guess what? Customers are delighted in the middle. So, Darren, you've used a word uh, several times now in this conversation. Uh, that's purpose, 
right? So uh, can you just talk about that a little bit more about how leaders can help um, you know, drive understanding of purpose within their company and really get people focused on that? What, what have you seen with the companies that you've, that you've worked with around uh, how they define purpose, uh, how they get employees to connect to it, what works, what doesn't work? Yeah, results is something that a lot of companies still focus on as purpose. Uh, now, I would ask folks to to think about, you know, what's the direction you're going in, which people would define that as vision. You know, how does that connect to something bigger than just getting more money or results? Something that might contribute back into the greater society. I mean, that's that's a big shift on our world today. And then, like, why do we exist? So that ties into the purpose. Like, why do we exist? Are we trying to improve sustainability? Are we trying to enhance equality? Are we trying to enhance ESG movements, environmental, social governance type movements? What are we trying to do? What are those elements of why we exist as an organization? Because then you can define your mission with how and what you're going to do about it. And then, and then guess what? You can actually align pillars of values, values that are meaningful to you and your employees. And I would ask anyone to make sure you understand why you exist and connect these values to people and ask people, listen to them, involve everybody in the organization, vote up them. I have some companies and in, in clients where we're working on this today, where we're actually engaging the employee population and what really matters to them. What, what are the values? Because if you're just going to have values up on a board, up on a wall or a website, and you're not going to follow through on them, you've lost trust and credibility right there. You've, you've lacked empathy as a leader, as an organization. And there are many stats, as you probably have heard, People will stay with an organization where you feel like you belong and you feel this level of empathy and understanding with where I am and where I exist. 93% of people. And often people leave because there's a lack of it. And that's like 87% of the time people leave because of their lack of connection to their boss and the values of an organization. So the values are so critical. It's how we work together. And that's where we are in today's day and age. It's how we work together, how we live together, how do we interconnect together. And I think one more important piece, if you can get to this level it's the golden path. How do you start to then connect to people's individual purpose? Once you can start to connect people's individual purpose with meaning and connect it to some, something a little bit bigger, wow, you, it's engagement's gonna go through the roof because an individual is actually growing for themselves and for the organization. They're giving back in different ways, which actually improves your well-being and your health and your thinking and your happiness, which improves mental health and all those things. It, it just keeps feeding itself over and over and over again. And that means meeting people where they, where they are and understanding. That means leaders being empathic, asking the questions of what a good day looks like. What do you care about? How can I help? What, what are the barriers I can remove? And actually mean it, not just ask the questions and then do something about it. It's all about the action, right? The words need to be action-oriented and authentic with genuine care and interest. So I'm going to use Paul's expression. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep pulling on this thread a little bit because something you just mentioned there. You know, we've all heard these studies about people leave because of a company because of their boss, right? But there's more behind that comment. And you said that if if leaders can connect their employees to a purpose and mean it. Um, but I think one of the things that companies struggle with is the consistency of leaders being able to do that. And so, like, what what have you seen companies doing to try to to shrink the difference in leaders' capabilities and be able to to drive purpose and, and connection in their teams? 
uh, make it part of their job. <laughs> I know it sounds funny. <laughs> it's a great start. Uh, well, I know. I think we know. I think leaders know it's part of the job, but we don't. I don't think we take it seriously enough. I don't think we we might lack the skills and enough to do it properly. In fairness to a lot of leaders, I think a lot of leaders and managers were hired because they're the they were the expert, and they got results. Right? There's the theme here: results. But we have to actually get leaders that are going to step in differently, and actually bring out the best in all all full teams. And that means interacting with teams with team-oriented goals, something that has a broader reach from a purpose perspective and allows for folks to contribute and help each other. It's not just about your individual task. So some of the companies I've worked with, I, it's pretty amazing. I go in and people say, well, I don't know, I can't help out over there because I got to do my work. It's like, no, we have to we have to share our work in today's world where technology is, where access is. We have to share and we have to work on the most important things together. We have to be communicating. That's what a leader needs to be doing communicating and sharing opportunities, getting people involved, inviting people to contribute in safe ways, inviting people uh, to get involved as far as a different project or maybe something across the organization. So it's, it's spending the time you know, in one-on-ones, not just saying, hey, you didn't do these five things or why isn't this done? Or, hey, let's skip this. We don't have anything to catch up on because I, I got to go do something else. Those, all those things have happened to me. In fact, I probably have done those things and, I'm, and I wish I hadn't. And I think we just have to recognize how important those moments of time are with our people and ask, hey, what does this good day look like for you? And listen, and then ask again, how, how is that happening? Is that happening today? What's getting in the way? Because I care for you. Like, hey, I have a problem I'm trying to solve and ask for their perspectives and mean it. And actually care and actually respond to say thank you to say, you know what, we're going to incorporate this and show them how it's going to connect back to purpose, how you're going to work or how it's going to make a project better, or maybe it's going to allow to a new strategic initiative, whatever it might be. But we have to communicate. So it's about communicating and making that an intentional action. I know it, it might sound silly, yet I think we've gotten away from that because we are isolated. We are all over the place in the world. We have to get results today. We're too busy. To me, as a leader, that's our most important job, our people. Yeah, so let me build on that, actually, because, um, it, you know, a lot of what you're saying, I think, also gets to culture as well. You know, these values and culture is this thing in a company. It's it's hard to define, but you know it when you're in it. You, you can feel it. Um, it gets back to engagement. Um, so I'm interested, you know, you mentioned everybody's all over the place as well. So talk a little bit about how can we foster this environment of engagement of making people feel that they're contributing in a meaningful way, that they're part of something bigger than themselves and this overarching culture when we've got a disparate workforce, people are working all over the place. It's, you know, any, any thoughts on how companies can really drive culture in that way? Well, culture, as you mentioned, is not a place. It's really what we all contribute to. And it's not just from the top down. It's all of us. And we all, we all own it. I think we all need to own are parts of the landscape that we bring in wherever we're working, if it's from home or if it's in the office or in the community, wherever we are, we, we all contribute. We all have the opportunity to voice and all of our voices should be listened to and heard as we're contributing to something bigger. Yet we need to make sure we understand what are we aligning to back to the whole mission, purpose and vision and those values and those pillars. How do we work together? We need to know that since once, once we know that and then we start to set out and ask people questions. It's not just coming from the top down. Hey, we have saying things like, hey, we have these eight you know, initiatives and this is what we have to do. Maybe it's directionally say, hey, we have these eight problems and we would love your help solving these problems. What ideas do you have? What initiatives do you think we should do? Even though we all might have ideas, I'm sure we all have them. Yet, actually, 
letting go a little bit and actually inviting the organization, every single person. Yes, every single person, even people that are on the call, on the conference call center lines that are on there, you know, 90% of the day. People need to make, we need to make time for people to actually contribute and get involved in a different way. So when we actually do that, it's amazing what happens. Because what I would say, currently people are saying, I'm too busy, I have no capacity. Or as a leader, oh, my team's too busy. They can't do anything else. There's, we, we got to get our work done. You know what happens when we actually invite people in and say, hey, we have these solutions that we need, our problems we need solving with your solutions. People start to get interested, right? Some people step in a little bit. They actually contribute an idea and they didn't get fired. They're like, oh, okay. And then it doesn't mean all all ideas are going to be taken, yet we build on them, right? We work on them and they get better and they become an initiative. And what I've suggested to companies and I've seen it really work well is even if people say, listen, I can contribute an hour a week to a project or a team or I can contribute uh, these ideas. I could think about this one hour a week or two hours a week, whatever it is, take it. Too often we say, no, we don't need it. You, you got to be on this dedicated for 40% of your week. Take whatever we can because that's, that's the world we're in, right? We're taking snippets from everybody. We're learning snippets. We're, we're driving our car, listening to, to podcasts or snippets of information. We need to think this way and kind of meet people where they are. And when I, I would actually think about our future world as a way of thinking about this environment to expand this way of development and growth. Because as, as we evolve, we need people to not just do their job 99% of the time. We need them to step in in other areas, 20% of the time, 30% of the time, where they're actually participating in different areas or projects. Guess what happens? People feel like they're part of something greater, bigger. They're connected to the why. They're connected to the results. They're connected to the customers. And results do happen, which makes everybody happy. It makes leaders happy, too. And, I, and there's proof to it. You know, I've been part of an or, part of organizations that have that have really gone from a third quartile culture rating up to a top decile in 12 months. I've seen organizations say, "No, we don't have any problems here." You know, like kind of like an us versus them, and they were actually not selling anymore. They were actually uh, those loyalty scores were the worst they've ever been. They were actually getting beat up for onboarding all all the problems that were occurring from every step along the line. Guess what happened? They were about to go out of business until they realized, no, like, no, this is a we thing. We as a team have to figure out the solutions. We each have to own our own stuff. We have to find the problems and actually be transparent about it and what we're going to do about it and not shame anybody, not threaten anybody, not blame them. Not, we have to actually solve it together. Guess what happened? This organization started to double the results. Their satisfaction scores, net promoter scores doubled. And they started to get back in the path of relevance again. They started to sell again because we have to drop what we're afraid of. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to be open. We're we're afraid to fail. And we have to step in and actually think about growth as a way of learning and development by stepping into other organizations and areas to help out and control our own stuff and do our best too. So, so, so Jaron, all the emerging technologies we've seen, Harry, don't worry. (laughs) I won't won't launch off on this. I know where you're going. No, does does this help or does this... Does this help us be connected or does it split us apart? And I could make an argument to say, look, it's so easy to pop up a Zoom. Zoom. People see somebody, see their body language. You know, used to be conference calls, Darren. I remember a couple of companies ago, that's all I did. Um, on the other hand, it can feel kind of isolating when you're never around people or you show up to an office and there aren't a lot of people here. Yeah, I, I think the way we're using technology is hurting us. I think 
the use of technology and what technology could bring us could be tremendous. So I, I think we have to adapt and change our ways, which we're not doing fast enough, in my opinion. You know, I think we're kind of accustomed to, oh, we're on Zoom calls now. Like I used to joke when I was going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, I was like, okay, see ya. And then I'd be like, not hitting on. I just didn't have time to go to the restroom. Like, so I, it got worse. Yeah. And then I think people were kind of hiding, you know, they were off screen or they weren't involved. They weren't interacting. So how we engage on Zoom or how we interact on these tools and the level of tools we're using to engage, there's, there's different collaborative tools to be leveraging and to be thinking about, because I think it's going to advance us. We just got to do it the right way. We got to connect back to why are we doing what the things we're doing? And then I think things will build. And if we allow people to actually help us answer those problems and questions, it's pretty fascinating what people know beyond the folks on this call. I mean, people, right? People that are coming up in different generations, they're, they're used to this world. They know all the tricks. They know how to make it better and seamless. And I, and I do think it's our responsibility to help people learn how to be effective at it, meaning teach leaders, meaning have center, centers of excellence where people are actually able to be go-to people to learn how to use the tools effectively and how to change how we run meetings how to host collaborative events, how to do mental well, uh, well-being events that are focused on that, not about agendas, not about results, but about actually the people, about getting stronger and better. And I think it's, I think it's a responsibility of companies with how we change, because that is how we will actually evolve and actually make technology to work kind of hand in hand, because I think that's the only way. It's the only way that's going to allow us to thrive along with technology. So, Darren, where I thought... Paul was going, and I know he was thinking it is, um, you know, obviously there's this enormous momentum right now around large language models and how it's enabling AI and, um, you know, people are trying to figure out how to react to all this. I, I, I've never seen a pace of change from a technology standpoint like we're seeing right now. And so I, I think I already know the answer to this because of some of the, the prior discussion, but um, as I talk to other leaders in the industry or even outside of the industry, uh, they're trying to figure out what do I do with this? What do, what do I do with AI and the possibilities, but the risks and the anxiety people are feeling about what this could mean for, for their jobs. And so like if, if you're um, talking to a leader who's trying to wrestle to the ground, what do I do about this boom in AI in my organization what, what would your advice be to, to a leader dealing with that uncertainty? It's a real certainty that's happening. Uh, so it's an that's important for sure. topic. Uh, it's so important to be transparent. I think we have to treat adults like adults and be professionals about what's ahead. And we have to give people the opportunity to, to step in. I think there's a stat, I saw something like 74, 75% of people want to retrain for the future. So let's do it. Let's talk about the need to, tra you know, to train for the future. Let's not add tools, though, that are just going to feel like we're just adding this and this IM tool and that tool. All of a sudden, it's hard to manage. Like We need to make sure it's intersected or we know how to effectively use that. And that we need to make sure folks are actually trained on it. And you know, we need to bring expertise to people that are willing to be retrained. So the idea that I was mentioning earlier, too, about folks that are doing their job today 99% of their day, I think we need to start to shift that dynamic to have them step into different roles 20% of the day, 30% of the day. Part of that to be developing the skills that allow us to embrace and leverage technology in AI 
like, for example, I have a client, we were talking about the need for recognition because all this work we're talking about, if we don't recognize and reward and celebrate, it's all going to fall away. People are going to be like, yeah, they don't mean it. It's not genuine. So we talked about it. And within that meeting, someone went to chat CPT, typed up recognition program. And it, guess what? It spit out the basis of a, of a recognition program during that meeting. Awesome. Like part of me says, oh my God, nobody needs me anymore. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is actually moving this company forward faster. This is great. This is the whole point. So now we could actually make it better. So now the people in the room actually were adding their, their, um, their own uniqueness, bells and whistle that'll actually make people connect to it better rather than worry about the nuances of the program. It was more about how will people get excited about it here at my company? So that was a pretty cool learning about, you know, just AI as an example, but we need to embrace it. You know, like how we're teaching kids even right now, I think kids are told not to use, use chat CPT, right? Because it's creating essays and it's creating whatever the questions are the teachers are asking. And I understand it. But when do we shift to the point where we actually teach people how to use it? Because that's going to be the future. We need to be able to, be able to use technology to our advantage together. And what I hope too is I hope companies are working together to create solutions that are going to interconnect, not make it harder for people. We need, we need tools that are interconnecting, allowing us to actually be really effective, be able to jump into different solutions, different projects. We can have that dynamic shift where we're not just full-time employees in certain jobs. We're actually mixing it up because it'll allow us to actually be developing, be more excited, more involved. We're contributing our learnings from here to here. It's just going to be, it's going to be an amazing turn of events. And I think there's so much opportunity. Yeah, it's scary because we don't know. Yeah, we have to kind of turn our mind to actually thinking about other AI aspects. I think about like, I think about appreciative inquiry, asking our people to help us solve it, solve all these problems. I think about authentic inclusion, being genuine about what we're asking of ourselves and each other by walking the talk. We're connecting back to who we are as humans and in, being inclusion as an act where we're actually involving other people because that's where innovation, creativity, and discoveries actually exist. So yeah, Harry, I'm pretty excited about what's ahead. Yeah, we have to be really mindful and thoughtful about how we do this. Yeah, I have to say you you opened up with um, the the key point. It's going to happen, right? Um, and I I think that's true of a lot of the things that we've talked about in this podcast over time, right? We the the macro themes that we've talked about that are happening in society around us, um, you know, all accelerated by the pandemic whether that be remote work, the, the usage of technology, uh, the generational differences we talked about. I mean, there, there's so much change happening around us. And, um, you know, I, I think what you just outlined is critical to leaders driving change in an organization is let's be real about it. It's happening. And, and let's have a conversation, communicate and actually work together to figure out how we're going to um, address the change and take advantage of it instead of being afraid of it. So um, I, I love your underlying message. No, I appreciate that. I, I do think it's our collective responsibility to help folks that want to retrain and be on this path that we take the time and effort to actually train people up to get ready for what's ahead and, and try to be as, as transparent as we can because there is fear out there. Yet if we know there's a path of 12 months that there's gonna be this new tool coming in, let's get on it now. Let's openly talk about it. Let's train people, because guess what? That'll light the fire. It's real. If you're in, let's go, because that will change the environment faster. And guess what? Your results will follow. And people will be excited. It's, it's hard. Change is hard. But if you can reconnect it back to your purpose 
and get individuals on board if they're constantly evolving and trying to contribute to XYZ and you're doing the same thing with this technology or whatever, whatever that path is for your company, you'll be amazed. People will actually be on more, more on board than you, you, you probably know. I think sometimes we actually are not giving people enough credit. We have to let them know what's going on and involve them and people will surprise you. Yeah. And, and one last comment to build on that is um, if you, if you're not doing it, somebody else is, and they're going to leave you in the dust. I agree with you. All right. Well, Darren, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Harry, Paul, do you have any final questions for our guests today or any, uh, any final comments to wrap us up? Uh, Darren, how would you recommend people use your book? Well, good, good question. It is, it is a life guide and why it's called that. It is a book where it's, it's filled with it, with uh, stories and research and interviews with different folks. It also includes over a hundred intentional practice actions. Don't worry. You know, you don't need to do all of them. Uh, so what I would ask folks to actually look at the book, there's three sections. One is to kind of get you primed to think about how to live your possible to start to think about what a possible mindset is. And then the middle starts to get into actually going through eight steps of the acronym possible, where you connect to something bigger, you start to adopt an open-minded set of curiosity, which then allows you to develop skill sets and resilience and allows you to be who you are, your authentic self, where you can imagine again with creativity and wonderment and possibilities and connections start to pop. They're joyful and authentic to you. And it's actually finding where you want to be down the road. You might be feeling, you know what, you know, he's talking about resilience right now. I'm feeling like I need a little bit more. So there's a whole chapter on resilience, you know, jumping at resilience, or if you're lacking purpose, there's a, there's a chapter on purpose. And I talk about purpose in a little different manner because I talk about purpose as inviting the world in and connecting it in, in, with a higher purpose, not just your own purple personal purpose to connect, to get certain goals achieved or certain results achieved. It's about no making a greater impact which is a theme of what we've been talking about today. And then teams are actually using this as, as a book club book to focus on certain aspects that might tie back to values with different organizations and teams. And some organizations have actually pulled me in to actually participate in book, book club events, which are super fun. I'd love to talk about how we got to some aspects of the book and, and respond to any questions that pe- uh, people have. In fact, there's a hospital in Florida that just actually transformed how they work, where they actually stop focusing on patients. Don't worry. They actually start focusing on the caregivers, the people that actually gave better results to patients, right? Safety results and risks actually improved. Their culture actually expanded where people actually were involved in really reforming processes and practices that are now streamlined and done with more joy and thoughtful thoughtfulness. Uh, this organization is thriving. A hospital is thriving. Think about that. I feel like if a hospital can transform with thinking about instituting a possible mindset, leveraging joy and inclusion, anybody can do it. It's just about being intentional and purposeful and connecting to why you exist and what you're trying to to solve for in the world. And one last thing, Paul, there are QR codes in the book. And I I tried to make it interactive where it's experiential, where folks are actually reading about a story. I'm pretty vulnerable in the book, I'll admit. And... I hope it connects and jolts you to actually think about where you are too. And then actually these QR codes will bring you out to some other external topic. It could be a comedian. It could be music. It could be a child, a children's book, excuse me. It could be uh, a Ted talk. 
It could be this podcast in the future. I might have to add one in. Uh, so it allows us to actually build on something that might have kind of sparked something to think about and grow with. That's why it's a life guide to help people pursue an authentic, joyful, and inclusive life. And organizations can actually leverage this too. And I talk about the story of a Fortune 100 company, how they went from third quartile to top decile in one of the chapters too, and how it was applied and leveraged uh, in the workplace. Excellent. Thank you. So Darren, excellent book. Um, great discussion. Always a pleasure to to have this type of a dialogue with you. So thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Darren, one final question. Um, if our audience wants to track down some more information or find your book, is there anywhere you'd uh, direct them to find it? Yeah, I think the best place is uh, my website, ignitehappy.com. And I'm certainly on LinkedIn, Darren Tully on LinkedIn. Uh, it's another avenue too. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Paul and Harry, thank you guys as well. And uh, thank you to the audience. We really appreciate you tuning in. We've got more fun stuff coming your way. So please keep an eye on your podcast feed. But for now, that's it. Signing off from the Working Forward podcast. Thanks so much. You're listening to Working Forward, Future of Work podcast series. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Symmetra Life Insurance Company or its affiliates. The host is not affiliated with Symmetra Life Insurance Company and or any of its affiliates and is solely responsible for the content.